MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, July 21st, 2020. Today, a State Department whistleblower report reveals ongoing inquiries over questionable activities by Pompeo. Top Democratic lawmakers write a letter to the director of the FBI with concerns that Ron Johnson's investigation into Burisma could be a hub for laundering foreign election interference. The House chairs ask inspectors general to investigate militia activity in Portland. Trump is skirting Congress to install loyalists in the Pentagon. A federal judge's son is killed as the husband is shot at home by a gunman dressed as a delivery driver. Trump eyes the SCOTUS DACA ruling to skirt the law. A Navy vet asked federal officers in Portland to remember their oaths when they broke his hand. A federal appeals court affirms a jury's conviction of ex-Hulk Bank manager Attila calling the evidence overwhelming. An Oxford vaccine for COVID triggers an immune response. Response. The St. Louis couple that waved their guns at protesters outside their mansion has been charged with a felony. The Michigan Supreme Court is reviewing the case of a teenager incarcerated for not doing her homework. Governor Kemp sues Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, and she now says he's trying to block her from talking to the press. And Trump says he will bring back televised task force briefings. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everybody. Uh, We have a lot of major breaking news stories today. I can say this, and you know you've been listening to me for a long time. I rarely say this, but today has got to be one of the busiest news days since we started either of these podcasts going all the way back to the end of 2017. Uh, The stories are coming out at a clip that I'm I'm actually having a hard time keeping up with. So I'm going to do my best to bring you all of the stories. Anything that spills over, we will bring you tomorrow. I believe we're going to be talking to Natasha Bertrand tomorrow about the Ron Johnson story, which is... <laughs> it's big. Uh, I think it's one of the bigger stories that, that we should be focusing on right now. <clears throat> and of course, we're covering the response to unmarked federal police activity in Portland and how Trump and the DHS acting secretary are planning to expand those raids into other major cities. Uh, I'll be joined by Jordan Coburn for News from Under the Radar and also the Good News Block. Uh, And I have an interview, a brief interview with uh, Last Minute here with Renato Mariotti, former federal prosecutor, to discuss uh, some of the resume points of the alleged gunman uh, who attacked a federal judge at her home, killing her son and wounding her husband. Uh, This all amid uh, tons of other headlines playing out. We have a lot of news to get to, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay, so today's lead story comes on the heels of our reporting over the weekend of unmarked militant officers in rented vans, unmarked rented vehicles, snatching people off the streets in Portland without identifying themselves, without reading them the Miranda rights, without saying what they're being detained or arrested for, whether or not they're being detained or arrested, and how we discussed yesterday that that's a violation of a lot of constitutional rights and that they're being sued. Uh, We had said this was a trial balloon of sorts for staging this kind of unconstitutional federal militia activity in major cities around the country. And today, during a press conference, Trump himself said he will send more federal law enforcement to New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Detroit, Baltimore, Oakland, and other cities to deal with unrest, quote, in Portland, they've done a fantastic job. 
And the acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security has told Fox News that he doesn't need permission of Democratic governors and mayors or local police to continue with the crackdown. Let's listen to what he said. Eight hours are just misinformed. Uh, they're not accurate. Uh, they don't understand the authorities and the responsibility the Department of Homeland Security has. We protect over nine, almost 9,000 federal facilities across the country. We did that 10 years ago. We did it long before this civil unrest started, and we'll continue to do that. And so I don't need invitations by the state, uh, state mayors or uh, state governors to do our job. We're going to do that uh, whether they like us there uh, or mm-hmm. not. That's our responsibility. So in response to Democratic law, in response to this, Democratic lawmakers have called on inspectors general to investigate what happened in Portland. But I'm sure, uh, you know, I'm not sure this goes far enough. Uh, We need swift action against this now before we find ourselves with an unidentifiable federal police force in all of our major cities as we approach a federal election. Um, We will keep you posted on this story as it unfolds. And... From the Washington Post, quote, he came to the protest with a question. He left with two broken bones in a confrontation with federal officers that went viral. Uh, Christopher David, this, of course, is the uh, story we've been following up on uh, in the news. He had watched in horror, according to the Washington Post, as videos surfaced in, of federal officers in camouflage throwing protesters into unmarked vans in Portland. This 53-year-old Portland resident had heard the stories. Uh, protesters injured, gassed, sprayed with chemicals. Uh, and tugged at their nostrils and burned their eyes. And David, of course, is a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy, former member of the Navy Civil Engineer Corps. And he said he wanted to know what the officers involved thought of their oaths before, you know, but that they had sworn to protect and defend the Constitution. So he said on Saturday evening he headed downtown to Portland to ask them. Uh, That night's protest outside the federal courthouse, which is the 51st day of ongoing demonstrations, began with a line of local mothers linking arms and demanding the federal agents stop targeting Portland kids. David, who had never attended a protest before, sort of hung back and watched. According to Washington Post, he was trying to keep his safe distance because he has a lot of health problems that have made him vulnerable uh, amid the coronavirus outbreak. He asked one woman when the feds would show up, but she said it was uh, also her first protest since the Department of Homeland Security deployed tactical units from U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement and U.S. Customs and Border Protection to bolster protections of federal buildings and officers in Portland. And just as he was about to leave, David said, the federal officers emerged. They rushed a line of protesters nearby, knocking them to the ground. So David walked up toward a gap in the line, calling out to the officers. And he said to them, why are you not honoring your oath? Why are you not honoring your oath to the Constitution? An officer uh, trained his weapon on David's chest as several agents pushed him, sending David stumbling backwards. Uh, But he then regained his center and tried again. And another agent raised his baton and began to beat David, who stood unwavering with his arms at his side. Uh, And then another officer unloaded a canister of chemical irritant spray into David's face. We've all seen this video, but that was all he could handle. He said he turned and walked away, flipping off double barrels, the federal forces as he went. Uh, This video taken by uh, Portland Tribune reporter Zane Sparling uh, that captured all this has been viewed nearly nine million times. Uh, unable to see from the chemicals burning his eyes and blurring his vision, David said he stumbled into out of the cloud of gas that made him cough and retch. He found his way to a bench in the park where a street medic aided him and eventually pulled him away from the advancing officers. And at the hospital, he said, he learned his right hand had been broken in two places. Uh, there's a clear motive here by the White House. Uh, Barr and Pompeo and Trump have all been saying, 
we need to prioritize certain human rights above all others, including the protection of property, property rights, uh, and religious rights. But there's no evidence yet that any federal property was being targeted by these protesters that were basically kidnapped by unmarked federal agents. And now we're learning that this kind of response to the unrest in the wake of the murder of George Floyd is now going to happen in what Trump calls liberal Democrat cities across the country. Chicago is next, according to Ken Cuccinelli, that's the DHS acting secretary, and uh, Trump himself. And we might now have a clue from the Wallace interview with Trump uh, on Fox how Trump plans to do this, because in a stunning moment, which we discussed yesterday, he mentioned uh, several new executive orders were coming, and he's allowed to do it because of the recent SCOTUS-DACA decision. This is from Axios, quote, President Trump and top White House officials are privately considering a controversial strategy to act without legal authority to enact new federal policies, starting with immigration. And that's, as of course, uh, according to administration officials. Uh, the White House is thinking um, is apparently being heavily influenced by John Yu, Y-O-O. That's the lawyer who wrote the Bush administration's justification for waterboarding after 9-11. Yu detailed the theory that the National Re- in a National Review article... Um, that was spotted atop Trump's desk in the Oval Office. And that article argued that SCOTUS's 5-4 DACA ruling makes it easy for presidents to violate the law. The president has brought up the article with key advisors. uh, And you wrote that the ruling and actions by President Obama paved the way for Trump to implement policies that Congress will not. So um, could remain in force for some some of these... uh, could remain in force for years, even if he loses the election in November. Uh, you, who next week will be uh, putting out a new book called Defender in Chief on Trump's use of presidential power, told Axios that he has met uh, virtually with White House officials about the implications of the ruling. Uh, the first test could come imminently. Uh, Trump has said he's about to unveil a very major immigration policy via executive order, which he says the Supreme Court gave him the power to do. This order could include some uh, protections for immigrants who travel to the U.S. illegally, uh, illegally as children, something most Americans support. Uh, That could be a political olive branch, uh, though the Trump administration moved to end the Obama-era DACA program, which led to the Supreme Court's involvement in the first place. But the order could also include significant new restrictions on immigration that couldn't get through Congress but are favored by the president, Jared Kushner, and hardline advisor Stephen Miller. Uh, you told Axios that Chief Justice John Roberts' opinion sets out a roadmap about how a president can use his prosecutorial discretion to under-enforce the law. Uh, the recourse would be if the next president wants to try to reverse what that, you know, what that is. Um, quote, suppose President Donald Trump decided to create a nationwide right to carry guns openly. Uh, he could declare that he would not enforce federal firearms laws and that a new Trump permit would free any holder of state and local gun restrictions. Even if Trump knew that his scheme lacked legal authority, he could get away with it for the length of his presidency. And moreover, even if courts declared the permit illegal, his successor would, ha- his successor would have to keep enforcing the program for another year or two. Uh, this is somewhat strained. Uh, this is a somewhat, according to Axios, this is a strained reading of both procedural history and the law. Uh, The Supreme Court has never ruled either way on DACA's legality. That was not a merits case. But the Supreme Court would not be able to decide the merits of anything Trump does before the election. Just sort of using it as cover. And two administration officials told Axios that although the president has shown interest in Yu's thinking, the White House won't rely solely on that. Trump, as I said, Trump told Chris Wallace uh, that in addition to replacing DACA with something much better, He's going to be unveiling a health care plan within two weeks that the Supreme Court decisions on DACA gave me the right to do. He sees this as his 
unfettered ability now to just declare law without going through Congress. And the White House declined to comment for the story. And next up, a gunman dressed as a delivery driver shot and killed the son of a federal judge and wounded her husband at their New Jersey home on Sunday. This according to law enforcement and confirming to the Washington Post. U.S. District Judge Esther Salas, who was not injured during the shooting, which the FBI, U.S. Marshal Service, and local authorities are now investigating. Salas's son died, and her husband was rushed to the hospital for surgery. That's according to the Associated Press. Um, her husband is now in stable condition, uh, according to uh, the Associated Press. Salas, who's 51, was New Jersey's first Hispanic woman to serve as a U.S. District Judge. Uh, she was appointed by President Barack Obama in 2010. She was confirmed by the Senate in 2011. Uh, she previously served as a magistrate judge for the U.S. District Court of the District of New Jersey. And she's presided over a number of high-profile cases, including the criminal trial of the Real Housewives of New Jersey stars. And she's been on the bench for recent cases involving the Great Street Crip, the Grape Street Crips, according to uh, New Jersey Advanced Media. That's a gang charged with running a drug trafficking operation. Salas has more recently taken on a lawsuit brought by Deutsche Bank investors, alleging the bank failed to follow its anti-money laundering policies by taking on high-risk clients such as Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, Authorities believe uh, an attorney found dead in New York Monday is the shooter. The man's body was found on a property in the Sullivan County town of Rockland near Liberty, which is in the New York Catskills. One senior law enforcement official says the authorities are looking into whether there was a package or envelope addressed to the judge found near the man who may have died of self-inflicted gunshot wounds. The official said the FBI and marshals and police were at the scene, while the vehicle the man was sought to have been using is being searched at a nearby state police barracks. They're also investigating whether the gun found at the scene matches the one used to kill Judge Esther Solis's son and wound her husband. Two sources described the man as an attorney who fled, who filed various lawsuits, sorts of civil lawsuits over the years. No other details were available at the time. However, we are now getting information about the identity of the gunman. His name is Roy Hollander, a New York attorney and intelligence gatherer formerly based in Moscow. Uh, we have his resume and the case he tried in front of the judge. Um, was we'll talk about that shortly. We're going to have Renato on Renato Mariotti to discuss this. So, before that, let's get to the rest of the headlines while we wait to speak with him later in the show. And tens of thousands of workers nationwide today are planning to walk off the job Monday in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. This is hoping to draw closer scrutiny to the income inequality and systemic racism that organizers say have become more entrenched during the pandemic. It's called Strike for Black Lives, and leaders have dubbed the campaign, um, have, have taken this to more than two dozen cities, including workers from a broad range of industries, Service Employees International Union, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, the American Federation for Teachers, and members of dozens of other labor and political groups plan to take part. Participants are pushing for an unequivocal declaration that black lives matter from businesses and political leaders, action from government officials to reimagine our economy and our democracy with civil rights in mind, businesses to dismantle racism, white supremacy, and economic exploitation, and access to union organizing, and this is all according to a list of demands posted on the strike's website. And these kinds of protests are the kinds that were championed by John Lewis, known as the conscience of the Congress, um, and Reverend C.T. Vivian. Both men were the epitome of, quote, good trouble, Lewis's favorite saying, and an approach to confronting injustices without violence. Uh, they worked along the side, uh, alongside the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. in the forefront of the historic struggle for racial justices in the 1960s. Both men died on Friday. Lewis was 80, and Reverend C.T. Vivian was 95. Our hearts go out to their families. May they rest in peace. We'll be right back with more headlines after this. 
After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG. Today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. If there's something that's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, you should try BetterHelp. They want you to start living a happier life today. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. Everyone can use some help during these tough times. I've personally sought support for dealing with PTS. I'm a huge believer in seeking help when you need it. And BetterHelp service is available for clients worldwide, and they have a broad range of expertise in their counselor network, which might not be locally available in your area. So you can log into your account anytime from anywhere and send a message to your to your counselor, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you won't have to, have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. You can visit their website and read their testimonials like this one by BetterHelp user ST, who says, quote, Dr. Norris has been an absolutely wonderful addition to my life. After one session, I already felt so much more at ease. Uh, his relaxed attitude makes you feel comfortable, and his knowledge and listening skills are great. Would highly, highly recommend. I feel like BetterHelp has been an amazing asset as well. Same price as one therapy session as a month session, so definitely worth the investment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. There's a special offer for Daily Beans listeners. You can get 10% off your first month. Just go to BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, so before the break, we were discussing the identity of the alleged gunman in the tragic shooting at the home of federal Judge Salas. And joining me to discuss is a former federal prosecutor, Renato Mariotti. Renato, thanks for agreeing to speak with me on such short notice. Absolutely. Anytime. So first, I want to make clear that while I usually enjoy speculation, we put beans on things all the time. We have a phrase for it. Uh, I always want to wait until I have the facts, and I want to encourage everyone to do the same, especially in this case. Because we still don't know the motive, uh, and I want to discourage people from speculating on feeding conspiracy theories here, because I think it can actually do damage to the family and harm the family, and this has to be a very difficult time for them. But I wanted to speak with you about the identity of the alleged gunman, uh, lawyer lawyer, and men's rights activist Roy Den Hollander. And I was wondering if you could tell us what you know about him. Yeah, you know, I, I was doing a little poking around the Internet. Uh, you know, he's an interesting character. Uh, a kind of one, he seems like the sort of guy who would ordinarily represent Devin Nunez, you know, a sort of off the wall, uh, wacky lawyer. Um, but uh, ironically, graduated from a JD from George Washington University. Um, and his, you know, he's filed these, you know, kind of this this men's rights activist guy who's filed lawsuits uh, regarding, for example, uh, ladies' nights at the bar, uh, you know, outlawing those, making sure that, you know, trying to, you know, he, I think he filed a lawsuit complaining about Trump's coverage was not uh, was not uh, appropriate, just like a total whack job. And of course, he's also got, you know, in his work experience, all sorts of bizarre things. You know, for example, in his younger years, he was at a very large New York law firm, Cravath, very prestigious law firm. Then he went to Russia for nine years uh, uh, and ended up working at Kroll there, which is a sort of a, a, um, uh, a uh, kind of intelligence uh, and, uh, and investigations firm. 
very unusual uh, that, you know, he spent that time overseas. And then now he's been back, you know, filing all sorts of manner of lawsuits, uh, he, you know, in New York uh, over the last 20 years. And apparently, yeah, he had had a case or has a case pending. I'm still doing more research on this. So, I, you know, this is from my minimal, like, front-loaded understanding of what's happening here. But there was apparently a case uh, that he was arguing in front of this judge or had argued in front of this judge that he won that had to do with uh, he believed that women should register for the draft uh, just like men did. But I think the the larger point of the uh, of this is that he did uh, try a case uh, with this judge. And so we th- we still have no clue what the motive is. But this gunman has been found, alleged gunman, I should say, has been found uh, dead, apparently from a self-inflicted gunshot wound in a car in New York. And so far, that's really all we know, other than just looking at his past resume. That's right. And, and, you know, I, as you said, I agree with you that we shouldn't be speculating too much about it. I will say um, that, uh, you know, we had a case here in Chicago uh, about 20 years ago where we had a federal judge who's husband and mother were killed by a gunman who turned out to be a white nationalist who had litigated a case in front of her and a similar sort of thing. And I think one thing that it, it, it bears mentioning is that being a federal judge, unfortunately puts you on the front lines. There's a lot of aggrieved and crazy people who are filing cases, arguing cases. um, And, you know, who knows what steps that they'll take. It's why we have to, it's important to protect our federal judges. Mm-hmm, exactly. And her, and her husband was also, I believe, a prosecutor. And, and so that opens the door to other motives that, you know, we we could, like I said, we could speculate all day. However, I just particularly think in this case where there is a grieving family. I mean, this, you know, she she lost her child. Um, it's just got to be so devastating that we just want to make sure that we're very careful not to go overboard, wait to see what the facts are as they come out, uh, because this is obviously being investigated and it will be investigated thoroughly. Uh, but, you know, I just it's it's an odd it's just an odd series of events. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, look, there's been a lot of speculation given the cases the judge was handling, given how unusual this guy is. And I, what I, I will say to everyone is. Um, we do need to, you know, fully investigate this. I do think, and when when this when I first saw this news, I'm like, wow, this is going to drive conspiracy theories for years to come. Mm. And who knows what the the I mean, we we don't know, uh, and I think we're going to find out more. I get why people are uh, concerned. I get why people are uh, already speculating. I I admit, I tweeted about his resume earlier today because I found it so bizarre. And I raised this questions for me. You know, when I was a federal prosecutor, I could investigate the questions that were raised and now I can't. And so I, I really have to have faith that the prosecutors uh, in the Southern district of New York, for example, are going to really, uh, you know, fully and carefully investigate this matter. Yeah. And I think that, you know, because of Jeffrey Berman's actions with the botched resignation tried to be, you know, forced upon him by Bill Barr, who then refused to leave unless his predecessor, Audrey Strauss, took over the office. I think that that can give us uh, a little bit of faith in their, you know, a little more faith than we would have had 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 they installed who they wanted to install. Uh, So I think it's best for us to just wait 
and see sort of what comes out of, of this investigation before we jump on any um, conspiracy theory bandwagons, you know? Exactly right. I think for for me right now, I'm just taking note of it. I There's a lot of topics and a lot of things out there. We're all trying to you know, no, you know, be be informed. And part of what's going on here, I think it's important. We were our our heart, our hearts go out to the judge. Um, and in the meantime, we're gonna. I think we're gonna all watch this very carefully, as we all should be doing during this uh, difficult time for our country. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it is in our it is in our human nature to speculate on these things. Like like you know, I've I've sort of come to the realization that the reason I'm able to be on top of all the news, maybe not today, it's kind of crazy today, uh, but you know, bring it in and and boil it down into digestible bits for everyone to listen to is because of my need to feel like I'm in control of something. And by knowing what all the news is and knowing what all the past news is and being able to sort of speculate on things, that sort of gives me a, 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 a tiny sense of control in an absolutely chaotic administration. But I, I really do kind of just, you know, just like you said, I want to just hold back here and uh, be patient. You know, it's, it's hard to do. Exactly. All exactly. Right. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking to me today. Uh, I, I really just had some you know, questions about this guy's resume. Uh, and it is it's it's bizarre. Without a doubt. I got to tell you, a rash of lawsuits that I think anyone would would label him as kind of a loony litigant uh, and obviously a kind of a, a crazy white ring crackpot type and uh unfortunately um he's taken this uh you know much further than he should have yeah uh much to the detriment uh of justice and of course to this family i appreciate you coming on today will you come back and talk to us when we learn more about this case absolutely happy to do it all right renato thank you very much former federal prosecutor renato mariotti you can catch him He's got a podcast called On Topic, and it's really, really wonderful. So uh, check that out. Everybody, we will be right back after this quick break. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG. As we've learned during this pandemic, it's always better to be safe than sorry, to be proactive rather than reactive. And personally, I'm staying safe by socially distancing, working from home, and reducing unnecessary trips out. And if you're like me, you want to avoid the crowds at the grocery stores, I recommend trying Sunbasket. Sunbasket delivers healthy, delicious meals straight to your door. It's a perfect and tasty solution for these times. Sunbasket has amazing recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, including paleo, gluten-free, Mediterranean, and vegetarian, and more. And they make it easy and convenient. Everything is pre-portioned and ready to prep and cook. You can enjoy a full dinner of organic produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. Each week, Sunbasket offers a wide range of recipes to choose from, so you can try things like Hwasan steak strip lettuce cups with pickled daikon and carrots, black bean tostadas diablo with cabbage slaw and guacamole, and my favorite, roasted salmon with miso-glazed eggplant. You can order from any recipes across their menu. You can skip a week if you need to or double up on your favorites. And Sunbasket facilities have the highest levels of food and employee safety. They reinforce strict adherence to their operating procedures and have increased sanitization frequency in their distribution centers to protect you, your family, and their employees. Right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go to sunbasket.com dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout for $35 off your order. Again, sunbasket.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget to enter promo code dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is time for News Under the Radar with Jordan Coburn. Jordan, how are you today? Hello, I'm doing okay. How are you? Yeah, I heard I heard that you weren't feeling so hot today and I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. Yeah, I just... um. 
I don't need to go into details. You can check my Twitter if you no. want the deets. <laughs> no, but everybody send out good healing vibes to Jordan. And <laughs> I appreciate you. you here supporting me. Today has got to be the the most batshit, crazy, fire hose, ridiculous news day I've seen in a really long time. And you know, I, I only say that what maybe like once every six months. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds fair. Yeah. T- today's that day. Um, so let's, let's kick it off. Let's start with the headlines. I'll, 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 uh, I'll kick us off with a quick COVID update. We're approaching 4 million cases in the United States with over 140,000 confirmed deaths today as several states continue to set single day records. Uh, teachers unions have sued Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida on Monday over his administration's emergency order pushing schools to fully reopen next month, even as coronavirus cases are surging still in that state. The suit, which appears to be the first of its kind across the country, sets up a confrontation between unions and politicians that could change the trajectory of school reopening over the next coming weeks. Uh, In other parts of the country, including California and parts of Texas, many large school districts have concluded in recent days that it's not safe to hold in-person classes. But Ron DeSantis, a Republican, uh, a very special Republican, has been pushing for things to be different in Florida, which is home to five of the country's 10 largest school districts. Uh, And President Trump said on Monday that he is bringing back the daily coronavirus briefings that he halted in April, a tacit acknowledgement that the public health crisis that he has sought to put behind him is still ravaging much of the country. And I think that this is probably in response to a bunch of Republicans who are starting to break with him on his COVID response, although I don't know why it took 140,000 deaths for them to do that. Right. Or the fact that he's getting quoted constantly as, or not quoted, but it is being reported that he is just done with it. He's just yeah. done caring yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I got my eyes on other things, uh, like sending militias out to major Democratic cities ahead of the election. That sounds great. Let's give him a microphone when he's feeling uh, nihilistic about this. That's going to go over <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, no big deal at all. Um, with cases and deaths on the rise, Trump told reporters that he would probably hold the first of his new series of briefings on Tuesday at 5 p.m. He attributed his decision to revive them not to the increasing threat of the virus, but to the fact that the briefings had high television ratings. Um, Minnesota, which reported 900 new cases on Monday, is a single day record. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did I did no, no, I gloss no, over just, the? Uh, yeah, I'm just reacting. The That's... high television high television ratings. <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining he's gonna just like shoot Goya beans out of t-shirt cannons and kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Sorry. Anyway, Minnesota, 900 new cases, single day record, also reported its first virus related death of a child, according to the state's health department. The department said that child was five years old or younger, but didn't list the exact age. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot of Chicago is starting to roll back some of the city's reopening rules to help limit further community spread. Uh, She said this Monday that starting this Friday, bars will once again be banned from serving alcohol indoors. Services like shaves and facials that require people to take off their masks will be banned. Indoor fitness classes will be limited to 10 people. And property managers will be asked to limit the number of guests to five per unit to prevent parties. So that's what a party is considered in Chicago. More than five people. Uh, The largest school district in Georgia, which is Gwinnett County Public Schools, said that classes will begin August 12th online only. The annual Marine Corps Marathon has been canceled this year because of virus concerns. The organization that runs the event said there will be a virtual marathon in place for the October race. (laughs) Wait, what? Yep, a virtual marathon. How does that work? Is it in place or is it just going to be a bunch of buff dudes and women just running in the streets with Max in their hands? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I, I know that we've had several like virtual marathons and virtual races. 
Uh, I was assuming that you just run around your neighborhood and while it's happening, like, so let's say that the marathon is on August 20th or whatever, then you just run a marathon that day wherever you're at um, instead Uh. of getting together with a bunch of people to do it. And then you just get on like, yeah, I did it. Man, that was tough, guys. Good work. (laughs) Yeah. Can you see the the next day? Wow, the marathon, virtual marathon, a record turnout of finishers who finished all <laughs> under two hours this week. <laughs> um, let's see what else here. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, a, there, I'm sure there's some sort of tracking GPS thing you have to hand in your. I don't know. It, I think it's a. <laughs> I don't know, totally, but that's funny to totally. imagine. Like you can't cheat the marathon system. That's a cult like CrossFit, dude. They will find you. <laughs> they will root your fake ass out. When I did the I did the half marathon, rock and roll marathon in Arizona, I was like, what if we just hang out around mile 11, hide in the mountains up in Papago and just pop out <laughs> at the last mile and be like, look, I'm woo to you and just like run to the finish. Yes. And they're like, nah, they, they'll catch you. Ah, damn. Um, it must be, I don't know, maybe <laughs> like massive uh, online cheating marathon scandal. Mm-hmm. I'm into mm-hmm. it. Um, let's see what else here. Delta Airlines said it would require passengers unable to wear face masks because of health conditions to undergo a medical clearance at the airport before boarding or the passenger should reconsider travel altogether. Yeah, I'm saying if you have a medical condition that disallows you to wear a mask, you shouldn't be traveling on an right. airplane. Right, because that means your respiratory system has to be so delicate that even that amount of lessened airflow is detrimental to you right. that seems like you're way too fragile yeah you should stay home and I, i'm not saying this to limit your freedoms i'm saying this because i care about you c- contracting the virus and having a really bad reaction to it right this kind of seems like the pandemic's version of an emotional animal or whatever <laughs> like a emotional, emotional support, animal support kind of chickens like how, that were being brought onto the plane yeah how that how that system t- uh, can get abused mm-hmm Yep. And United Airlines also said starting next week it would leave its high-efficiency particulate air or HEPA filtration systems running as passengers get on and off most planes, a move intended to maximize airflow. I didn't know that they didn't already do that all the time anyway. That's sort of frightening. Yes, it is. Um, all right, well, those are our brief COVID updates. I know there's a lot more going on and we'll continue to you know keep you abreast of what's going on with the coronavirus pandemic. But Jordan, you have an update on the Michigan teenager that was jailed for missing homework assignments. What's the latest on that? We talked about it before. Yeah. So a Michigan Supreme Court said on Thursday a few days ago that they're reviewing that case and the circumstances that led to this 15 year old being detained in mid-May in the middle of a pandemic because a judge said that she violated her probation by not doing her schoolwork. She didn't commit, you know, any of the other things that were listed out as far as I've read uh, as violations of her probation. And so, yep, because she didn't do her schoolwork, she got put into detention. And then... Um, so that same day attorneys filed for Grace, uh, as how she's referred to in this reporting, her attorneys filed a motion seeking an emergency review and reconsideration of her case. Uh, and then there was a protest that actually accompanied that move. There was over 200 people that participated in one of the car caravans at, at the, in front of the mm. Oakland County car- Courthouse. So just... I, don't, I forget if we've talked about it at all in the podcast, or I'm, I'm sure people are familiar with it, but if you're not, basically everybody just, yeah, gets in a car together and has signs, or I shouldn't say that, gets in their own car separately, drives together in a line, has signs that are 
typically uh i mean there's been so many like blm ones and everything anyways the fact that they did this is super cool because when we first reported this story so many people that i saw on twitter were like how are we not hearing more about this the, you know i hope that they're directly organizing around this and they did and uh it seems like there was a really, really good turnout for that Oakland County Judge Mary Ellen Brennan, she's the one that's the presiding judge over Grace's case. Uh, She's the one that concluded that Grace was, quote, a threat to the community. And that was because of her prior assault charges, not because of her not doing her homework, but I ranted about this when we first covered this. She's bringing in Mm -hmm. issues with her past conduct into this present case, which seems to me uh, to be... uh, shitty and potentially not okay to do we'll see because it's getting reviewed um i think that this is this is going to be this is like in the national news now and we'll keep following it and see what's going to happen um prosecutors have until july 24th to respond to that motion from grace's attorneys to reconsider that case uh but the judge denied the request to release Grace before a hearing that took place today. The judge said, yeah, the judge said it is not in Grace's best interests to interrupt the mental health treatment before receiving a report regarding her progress. So, I guess, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, mm. she's, it's, it's, it's just so much of the damage has already been done to Grace and, and in this case and, I I just like mid May she's been there. That's that's so long. That's two two months. Yeah, and it's appalling to me that they're saying that her being in this institution in this juvenile detention center is better for her because she's receiving mental health care there as opposed yes. to being at home with her family. Yes. So I I believe she got moved into a, a separate residential program, but she's definitely not home. She's not home with her family. So she went from straight up detention to this residential facility which is where she's getting that care but point yeah point being she's not home she should be home mm-hmm. wow well i'm glad that this story is finally getting some national attention and we'll definitely keep everybody posted on on what's happening with it um and yeah i remember when we had the car caravan here in san diego i think we talked about that uh that car caravan protest that stopped in la jolla and like 15 mm-hmm. other places um and went for a really long ways and how we thought that that was a really excellent way, especially during the pandemic, to protest. So I'm glad that that's happening. And I'm glad that, this, like I said, I'm glad this is getting national attention. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so thanks for that reporting. Uh, I have in the next headline here, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit has upheld the conviction of Mehmet Attila. That's the former deputy general manager of Hawk Bank, who served a 36-month prison sentence for his role in helping Iran to avoid billions of dollars in U.S. economic sanctions. Remember we talked about the guy mm-hmm. and the gold and the smuggling? <laughs> the guy and the gold and the smuggling. <laughs> That's so it goes, happened. Yeah, that's the description for, for like, it's all white-collar crimes. You know. And uh, this three-judge panel of the Manhattan-based appeals court Monday found a flaw in one of the prosecutor's main theories of liability in the case, but nonetheless upheld Attila's conviction, finding that the evidence against him was, quote, overwhelming. Uh, again, you'll remember this case uh, came out of the Southern District, and Trump and Barr were pushing to, to stop the indictments from happening. They were pushing Jeffrey Berman uh, to not indict these this guy. Uh, and this, by the way, this is just in right now. Uh, yesterday, uh, I spoke in the in the A block extensively about the subpoenas that the Senate Republican Ron Johnson is working on to get people in to testify about Burisma and the Bidens. And today, 
we learned early on that top two Democrats, the top two Democrats in Congress and leaders of the House and Senate Intelligence Committees, released a letter on Monday to FBI Director Christopher Wray saying they are gravely concerned that Congress appears to be the target of a concerted foreign interference campaign. They wrote that the campaign seeks to launder and amplify disinformation in order to influence congressional activity, public debate, and the presidential election in November. That was from early this morning, and just now Natasha Bertrand tweeted out that among the intel that prompted this letter is concern that the Senate probe being led by Ron Johnson has become a vehicle for laundering a foreign operation to damage Joe Biden, and that's according to people familiar with the letter. So it looks like... Ron Johnson has Rudy Giuliani on speed dial. So we're going to keep you. This is a huge, huge, huge national security breaking story about interference in the upcoming election. And Ron Johnson being a vehicle to launder disinformation about the Bidens and Burisma. And that's probably what's, you know, prompting him to issue these subpoenas that were supposed to be issued this Wednesday. But now with this letter out to Chris Ray, we'll see what happens. We'll keep you abreast of all of it. Um And finally, Jordan, what's going on in Atlanta right now? Uh, Yeah, so on Friday, uh, this is a day... Okay, so Governor Kemp, basically, this is a short headline, uh, he is suing the mayor because she, uh, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, she's bringing Atlanta back to the stricter phase, the strictest phase of reopening. And this is amidst rising cases. Atlanta has one third of the state's cases right now, and Georgia's cases in general are going up, as are a lot of different cities and states' cases right now. We're not in a good place with COVID. And Kemp is saying that he's going to move forward with the lawsuit, saying that he will not stand down because the mayor's disastrous policies threaten the lives and livelihood of our citizens. And this is so, this is really interesting to me because you have a governor that refuses to mandate masks, even though, you know, the cases are going up. He says he won't go past just strongly suggesting that people wear them. And then you have a mayor that is more concerned, obviously, about the public health of our citizens and is choosing to require this, this mask mandate or enforce it. But what is so interesting to me is, you know, this question of, Who's more powerful, a governor or a mayor? And I was, you know, looking through and doing some research before we hopped on here. And it seems like the precedent exists in Kemp's favor right now in terms of him issuing an executive order. But it's going to be litigated litigated in court. uh, And the mayor is welcoming that opportunity to argue this in court. But I feel like they're going to have to successfully argue that the health of citizens are objectively 100% more at risk with his policy versus hers, maybe, for her to be able to enforce that directly in contradiction to, to Kemp's order. So that's... Yeah, and I think like. a good argument here, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think a good no, argument go here would be why just, why just the mayor of Atlanta? Why Keisha Lance Bottoms? Why is he not... Uh, suing any other mayor who's mandating masks and rolling back the reopening of the states uh, of of the of their you know of their cities, it's mm-hmm. just her, and I think he might have a hard time proving why it's just her uh, and not uh, any of the other mayors that that are that are doing this. Yeah, yeah, that's I I wasn't aware that other mayors in other cities were doing the same thing. 
as as she was Mm -hmm. if that's the case Mm -hmm. then well i guess if he's just suing her directly she doesn't get to increase her bench of uh (laughs) defendants but or can she could she get other mayors to sign on to the lawsuit can you do that well she's the defendant right right he's the sewer yeah so I mean, she can bring in any witnesses that she wants, but I just find it uh, remarkable that that, uh, the only black woman mayor is the one that's being sued. So, right. Point being, if other mayors are doing the exact same thing, then maybe uh, if, you know, outside of them just coming as witnesses, they wanted to actually litigate that in in maybe a separate case or, or court or something with all of them together i don't know because it seems like this has the potential to set some serious precedent moving forward it's pandemic precedent it's public health precedent basically so it's it's really interesting to me yeah and and also part of this lawsuit he asked for an emergency injunction to restrain her from talking to the press yep um so and and she actually tweeted that out yeah. Which was kind of a like a giant fuck you, uh, which yeah, I yeah, appreciate. Yeah. yeah, he's totally trying to like tie her hands and put duct tape over her mouth right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, apparently the judge is going to take up the issue Tuesday morning at 11. So mm-hmm. we'll keep you posted. Um, I've got a couple more real quick headlines here. A State Department employee who reported witness witnessing misconduct by Pompeo, as well as hearing numerous firsthand accounts of uh, you know, not good behavior was blocked from further addressing the issue by top department officials who were protecting Mr. Pompeo, and that's according to newly public a newly public copy of the employee's whistleblower complaint. The heavily redacted version of the complaint indicates that top officials enabled misconduct by Mr. Pompeo even after the whistleblower voiced concerns internally, uh, an alleged circle of complicit of complicity that was not previously known. After encountering resist and tra- encountering resistance from the department's executive and legal offices, the whistleblower filed the complaint with the agency's office of the inspector general, which apparently prompted an investigation into the misuse of taxpayer resources by Pompeo and his wife Susan. Details of the inquiry uh, coming amid a cloud of accusations that critics say show a pattern of abusive taxpayer money have emerged gradually since May when congressional aides told journalists about it. The inquiry was one of at least two investigations that Inspector General Steve A. Linick was conducting into Pompeo's actions at the department when Trump abruptly fired Mr. Linick in May at the urging of Mr. Pompeo. Uh, Mr. Linick, known to be cautious and nonpartisan, had served as inspector general since 2013 and ran an office of hundreds and investigated fraud and waste in the State Department. So that's happening. Still more of that's going on. And then finally, the White House is taking advantage of a loophole to install loyalists to Trump in acting senior roles at the Pentagon, basically skirting the Senate confirmation process. We've talked a little bit about this in the Vacancies Act. While a number of vacancies isn't new, one-third of the Defense Department's 60 Senate-confirmed positions are filled on a temporary basis, a third of them. Uh, But the White House in recent months has been sending over people to fill in spots, open spots, as opposed to the more traditional method of tapping people from within the Pentagon. Uh, Experts and Democratic lawmakers decried the campaign to root out those seen as disloyal and replace them with Trump acolytes, some of whom are very underqualified. They worry that... uh, a climate that values loyalty over expertise scares away the best prospects and injects politics into an organization that tries to operate above partisanship. This comes as the White House personnel conduct interview. You know, the White House office, the personnel, the PPO. We talked about this yesterday, or actually, I think it was last Friday. 
uh, McEntee. They're conducting interviews with the department's political appointee, appointees for jobs in a second Trump term, including high-level undersecretaries such as Ellen Lord, who is the chief weapons buyer. And this is all according to a defense official and two former defense and two other former defense officials, a current one and two former ones. So. This is, again, just an ongoing, a systematic sweeping of disloyal appointees. In, in And disloyal means you're not super pro-Trump, I think, is what disloyal means. Yeah, right, because Fox News is disloyal now. Yeah, exactly. So just skirting Congress uh, and the appointee process and the Vacancies Act by just installing who he, you know, Trump acolytes. And it continues to happen. Now it's happening. And they're just pointing out here that it's now happening at very high levels uh, of the Pentagon, which is frightening, as it always is. So those are headlines. That's news from under the radar, which all should be on the radar bigly and hugely, but because of everything else that's going on <laughs> in this fire hose, this sh- shit show lullaby. Uh, those are those are the headlines from under the radar. Any any anything you want to add before we uh, get out of here, Jordan, and and hit to head to the good news block? Um, no, I don't think so. No, yeah, me neither. So everybody, just stick around. Right after this quick break, we'll have the good news for you. Stay with us. Hey friends, it's AG. This portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by FitBod. It is so important these days to focus on our health and fitness. Whether you're new to the gym or you've been lifting weights for years, it can be hard to find the right workout program to stick to. But with FitBod, you get a truly personalized fitness program that adapts as you go. FitBod is a smart fitness app that takes all the guesswork out of planning your workouts. FitBod's algorithm factors in your goals, experience level, equipment, workout duration, and muscle recovery to intelligently craft the perfect total body workout program just for you. I absolutely love this because now that I can't go to the gym anymore, where they would decide what the workouts are. I have FitBod to help me decide what I'm going to do. And with each workout, they learn your abilities and they plan your workouts to maximize your results. I love that they cycle new exercises into the mix. It keeps my workouts fun and fresh so I never get bored. And they keep it balanced too, so they never overwork a muscle group. So I always have recovery time. I'm never too sore to, to start working out again the next day. Because there's so much variety, they're constantly changing and rotating. I never get bored, and I've, I've stuck with it for that reason for much longer than I usually do with exercise plans. With FitBot, I'm always looking forward to the next workout, and I can already see results. It's super easy to use, and they even have an HD video tutorial to make learning new exercises a breeze. It's perfect for anyone who's looking to get a better fitness result, whether your goal is general fitness, feeling better, strength training, muscle toning, bodybuilding, Olympic weightlifting. That's my goal. Uh, no equipment, no worries. They have bodyweight routines for those looking to get fit at home or on the go. And it integrates with other fitness health apps like Apple Health, Fitbit, and Strava. Personalized training can be tough on the budget, but FitBod's only $9.99 a month or $59.99 a year. Get a personalized fitness plan that helps you work out smarter at fitbod.me slash dailybeans. Try FitBod for free for one month when you sign up today at fitbod.me slash dailybeans. That's one free month when you sign up at fitbod.me slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And back with me from the last segment for the good news block is Jordan Coburn. Jordan, are you ready for the good news? Yes. Why don't you kick us off? All right. I... Uh, have, yeah, some great news coming out on the COVID-19 front. So University of Oxford has developed a COVID-19 vaccine and it's showing really positive results. There's evidence that the vaccines can produce these immune responses that are 
supposedly going to protect people against the infection. So they need to do more trials because they need to get a wider, cast a wider net and see how it affects people more. But currently they say it seems to be safe and effective. So this is great, great, great news. Yes, that's way ahead of schedule. And it is very heartening to hear that. So we wanted to put that in the good news block. Other good news. You ready for this, Jordan? Yes. Remember that couple, that rich couple who waved their guns at protesters in St. Louis out in front of their mansion? I do. They've been charged with felonies for unlawful Yay! use of a weapon. So Yay! We'll keep you posted. Oh my gosh! We'll keep you posted. <laughs> that makes me so happy. I know, me Thank too. Thank God. It's good thing they're lawyers. <laughs> yeah, God. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> Fuck yes. Ah, mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, next up. Or first up, from our audience, good news. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denicio Del Toro, he, him, says, Avid daily listener since around 2018 or so, also a patron. Thank you. Normally, when I get a scam call from India slash Pakistan about my credit card rates, I would just play along and give them fake credit card numbers, which waste their time and then end the call by cursing at you and hanging up. <laughs> I have cha- <laughs> I've changed the way I do things now. Now when they call... I tell them I am Donald J. Trump and ask for their vote. Ten out of ten times, it sets these people off in a profanity-laced rant. It takes longer for them to hang up on me because they want—they seem to want to get all of their rage out. It's oddly cathartic. If they ask questions, I will ignore the question and reply by saying, Do you think my daughter is beautiful? I do. If I were not the president, I would be dating her right now. And I know you know what that means, believe me. <laughs> And any other outrageous Trumpism things I could dream up, I'll say. Uh, So if you get those calls as I do, just do your worst Donald Trump impression and have fun with it. That's, that is, I would have never thought to do that for fear of them actually going out and voting for Donald Trump. (laughs) But that's that's so funny. Thank you, Denicio Del Toro. Yes, I like that they get upset. (laughs) I know, they're mad. Those poor, those, yeah, what a, what a shitty job. I know. Uh, all right, let's see what's up next here from Matt, pronouns he, him. I've been listening to your show for a couple months now. I really enjoy it. The good news segments are really touching and some have helped push me to dip my toes into the activism pool. Awesome. My wife is in an elevated risk for COVID, so I'm trying to get more involved without leaving the house. I ended up joining a group called Unemployed Actions uh, that's working to extend unemployment benefits during the pandemic. I started text banking to increase turnout for mostly virtual rallies and town halls, and I've been amazed at how uncommon hostile how uncommon hostile responses are, and I've even had some really nice conversations with people. It feels good to do something to try to make things better, and I'm constantly inspired by the others in the group. Like one of your previous listeners, my wife also calls Trump the orange menace, but I've always thought of him as the abscess in chief. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I, uh, first off, awesome. Great work. That is very cool. I didn't even think about texting people. I, when I, when I think of phone making, it's always like with your voice, you know? So it's kind of nice to know you can do good with your fingers. Um, I, I think that I had, I love those names for Trump too. I, I had thought of Orange Julius Caesar last night and I was like, I was like, there can't, that has to already exist, and it does, and it was very sad to see, uh, but but it's a uh, fun one. Orange Julius Caesar. Uh, of course it exists. 
Anyway, Orange Menace, Abscess in Chief, love it. From from Laura, uh, pronoun she, her, Laura says, After decades with others seeing my spouse as male, but her always knowing she wasn't, she started a transition to female a few months ago. A few days ago, after the San Diego courts reopened, we received the order from the judge approving her new name and gender. We are both beyond fortunate mm. to have a loving and supportive community of family and friends and thank the stars that we found each other. My wife came out at work to hundreds of people at multiple locations and now has a couple of months off in order to get the legalities done and to settle into her existence as female and get used to the loss of the privilege she had before. She's my favorite person on the planet and a compassionate, patient, hilariously funny, and deeply good person. And thanks to Justice Gorsuch, never thought those words would be said by me. For being the swing vote <laughs> in a SCOTUS case that will affect the lives and freedoms of us and LGBTQ plus folks in the years to come. Love from us to you all at the Daily Beans. Ah, Laura, that's very beautiful. Congratulations and thank you so much, Laura, for sending that in. Yes, so, so rad. Yeah, whoever thought we would be thanking Justice Gorsuch for LGBTQ plus rights. Yeah, shit's fucked up right now. But much love to you. Um... And thank you for sending that in. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, now, coming up now from Christina, uh, pronoun she, her. Uh, hello there, Beans ladies. I have some good news from Europe. Uh, international unmarried couples have been fighting for travel ban exemptions in order to allow their significant others to return to Europe from the U.S. or anywhere, really, I guess. So far, four countries have opened their borders for this. Denmark, Norway, the Netherlands, and Austria, where I'm from. You can find out more about this on Twitter at hashtag love is essential and hashtag love is not tourism. Cheers, uh, Christina Vosh. <clears throat> Let's see. Vus Geschwentner. Christina yeah. Vus Geschwentner. Thank God you got this I one. just want to... <laughs> P.S. I just want you to hear me pronounce my last name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Vusa, I think like that that s set is like a uh, Vusa with a umlaut over the O. Vusa Kashvetner. Uh probably not even close, but I hope so. Let us know. You know how to hit us up. You sent us this. <laughs> True. Hmm. Uh, bring back corrections in the good news. Uh, next up from <laughs> next up from Mo pronouns they them. Um, I live with my daughter, her wife, and Kay, their best friend. They help me with my bills since my SSDI disability benefits only amounts to $1,200 a month. They have an art business but have been sadly unable to do any convention since COVID-19. However, they just did a Kickstarter for their newest pins and reached their $500 minimum in less than five minutes. I'm so happy. Ooh. That's really that's really cool and really fast. Uh, check them out at AtomicPixies.com or Facebook.com slash AtomicPixies. Cool. Awesome. Atomic, A-T-O-M-I-C, Pixies, P-I-X-I-E-S. Yep. I'm going to check them out. Yeah, seriously. Ugh, that's so nice. Thank you, Mo. Oh, it's a great website, too. All right, well, thank you, Mo. Next, from Sherry, pronouns she, her. Good news, the cat-dog divide is not impossible to cross. <laughs> I am an omnipet uh, owner, cats, dogs, and fish with occasional birds, but I love rodents and reptiles, too. Uh, we have just moved from the Clemson, South Carolina area to Topeka, Kansas, just in time, and our new home is beautiful. It's a beautiful old house in the middle of feral cat, a f middle of a feral <laughs> cat colony. Holy lord! Uh, we have adopted two kittens. See attached photo to go along with the five cats we already have and the two standard poodles, who are huge cat fans, although their bouncy ways require getting used to them for felines. Uh, hashtag 
toe beans for Biden is a brilliant idea. Amanda, thanks for your anger, humor, your joy, and intelligence. You are handrails in my life. Uh-huh. And there's a kitty picture. That is so fucking cute. Oh, my gosh. So there's a little a little orange and white tabby and then what looks to be a little Turkish rag doll with a little bit of long hair in the background. And then a giant poodle that they're laying on, which you almost can't see. She's almost camouflaged. Mm-hmm. But she's They're laying on this giant standard poodle. Standard poodles, smartest dogs, uh, by the way. I've, really? I've learned uh, trying to get my... Uh, yeah, I was trying to get a, um, a service dog uh, for PTSD. Poodles are apparently head and shoulders smarter than any other breed of dogs. So they're there. Poodles got a noodle, huh? With the two baby kitties. We'll have to send this picture out in the newsletter, which we send to patrons on a weekly basis. Uh, and thank you if you're a patron, and we appreciate you sending in the good news. You can send your good news to us at dailybeanspod.com, um, and you can just click the contact form there. And you can also send quarantine confessions there, ideas for themes for the happy hour meet and greet that happens on Friday, our live stream on Crowdcast. And then you can also submit corrections if you need to or if you want to. And also, you can do this at the pinned tweet on our Twitter account at Daily Beans Pod. So we look forward to you sending those in. And thank you for that. I needed it today. I was, my hair was on fire today with all the news. And I, I'm, there's still stuff that I missed. Um, I mean, I, you know, we're just now getting reports about Hannity and Tucker Carlson being accused of, of sexual harassment, I think. I've yep. got to look into that. The least surprising headline. And, uh, it's just so much um, going on. And now I'm learning I have to watch the task force briefings again. Fuck my life. So <laughs> I really appreciate everybody um, sending in your good news stories. Seriously, they, they somebody said that we're your handrails. You, y'all are mine. And, and so I really appreciate it. You got any final thoughts, Jordan? Uh, not for me today. No, just have a great night, great day. Just be well. Thank you. Yes, and Jordan, please feel better. Everyone send your healing vibes to Jordan um, because we need you. We need you 100%. Yes. I'm, to- I'm, totally, I'm totally okay, by the way. I'm totally okay. I just have weird stomach things and body things happening, but, but everything's fine. Yes, but we want you to feel better. <laughs> yes. You deserve to feel awesome. Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, everybody, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been A.G., I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.